to No Bunts, the podcast for the casual baseball fan here on the Athletic Baseball Show feed. I'm Tass Mellis in studio in Atlanta. And joining me in studio, as always, making the magic happen, it's producer JD. Hello. What's up, JD? And my co-host, all season long, all the way from Taiwan, it's Joel McMillan. Joel, how are you? And what is the background you have chosen for Zoom today? Well, we're going to talk about basketball today, Tess. So I thought I would use the uh, stadium background for the Milwaukee beers uh, from the movie Basketball. (laughs) That is glorious. Uh, (laughs) Hilarious stuff right there. This show, getting prepared for the show, definitely made me want to go watch basketball. Joel, I I barely remember it, to be honest, because I watched it in bits and parts. Uh, You are the movie connoisseur here, along with JD, of course. Uh, Can I get a quick uh, rating, quick synopsis, quick feel of basketball? I'll just just give you a quick rating. I'm going to give basketball 3.7 out of 5. Uh, There's just some absolutely classic parts. Those guys... Crack me up. I think they're comedic geniuses, Trey Stone and Matt Parker. I thought this was kind of a weird movie for them to do, but some of the jokes don't age so well. But, uh, but I mean, whatever. It's still a classic movie to me. I like it. Thank you. I appreciate that. As Joel said, we're taking uh, a little break from the, the normal podcast today. We're combining two sports, two of my personal loves, basketball and baseball. We'll discuss players that could play in both leagues some things MLB can learn from the NBA. We'll have some basketball, baseball trivia a little bit later on, but mainly we'll be picking a few NBA rules and practices and playing out what would happen if those were implemented in MLB. So let's have some fun with that, Joel. The first rule and practice MLB could incorporate here, it's a strategic one. It's based on strategy. Position players can re-enter the game after being subbed out. How would this work in baseball, Joel? It wouldn't be unlimited, right? Because then we'd have Otani batting every third hitter. How would it all play out? (laughs) Right. So basically each team would be afforded three substitutions. And they so a player could obviously enter the game and come back in. It would be used for bench players only as well as relief pitchers as well if teams wanted to do that obviously there would be a limited number on it i think this would be a very unique idea for a couple reasons one it obviously would completely change the strategy and dynamic of the game it would put a lot of it would take less emphasis away on matchups which i think a lot of baseball fans actually don't kind of like it kind of slows down the game a bit so I, I think it puts you know more in a, an, an emphasis on execution and strategy and adding more of an element uh, of chess to this. So yeah, there would be a limit of three. Tass, what do you think about this rule? So we're saying position player uh, can get subbed out. Let's say, let's say Mike Trout uh, can get subbed out uh, for a pinch runner. Let's say when he comes back. Does he have to be in the same slot in the lineup? Or he can come back for anybody. Because that there there we get a little 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 right, tricky. Right. There's our test. You're already poking holes in this. I like it. Yeah. Uh, well, well, well that, obviously well, like Well, that's why the three is somewhat palatable. Because it, again, like if it was unlimited, that's crazy talk. It just it just Of course, work. yeah, it would be impossible. Okay, so what, would, what, yeah. what go ahead. What do you think about the 
the slot. I think the players would ju- basically just like the subbed out players. Like if it's a position player, they would be reinserted into their original spot in in the lineup. Uh, obviously, for relief pitchers, that they're not position players, so that's not an issue. But you know, I don't know if teams would want to put in a, a bring in a pitcher later. Obviously, there's a higher risk for injury, so I don't know if that would make sense. But it would be available to teams. But I think it would be pretty good. You know, kind of from a fan standpoint, it'd be real dramatic. You know, a guy, you know, maybe gets subbed out in the sixth inning, but comes back in extra innings and gets the big, you know, the big game winning hit. And maybe he's got a really good record against a a certain pitcher. I think it kind of makes for unique elements in the game. And what about starting pitchers? Is or or is this just for position players only? Like. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking of teams getting cute and saying our guy pitches one inning. Sit him down. He can come back and close later on. It's up to you. You know, <laughs> I again like as I alluded to a minute ago, I think there'd be a much higher risk for injury especially starting pitchers. Mm. I don't think you'd want to do that. Okay. If teams wanted to do that, I mean, that's obviously up to their discretion, but I I think yeah, you want to sub in any three substitutions you make, you know, puts an emphasis on speed, on defense, all different elements of the game would be impacted by these substitutions, but you would have to use them accordingly. I just think it would be a just a, a unique dimension uh, to the, uh, a new dimension to baseball strategy. Yeah, and I, I do like the restriction, you know, within this rule of having to come back in the previous slot in the batting order because it would get them. Mm. It gets... It'd get too much uh, because you could basically say, yeah, Mike Trout hits in the eighth, side is retired, and then he can come back and hit in the ninth or, like, get subbed out and then come back and hit in the ninth for somebody else, essentially. Uh, so, yeah, not not cool. Um, but if you're coming back in that same slot, I don't mind it. I saw this uh, this other little tweak that sort of plays into this from our friends at Reddit. If a player is hit by pitch, he can have a pinch runner sub in for him, and then he can take a spot back in the lineup. It would sort of discourage pitchers hitting guys. Um, mm-hmm. You know, just a, not that that's a huge problem, um, but, you know, just to, to add on to this. So the limit of three, it's interesting. Add a, 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 a pinch runner gets – you know, comes on in, but the the hitter can come back for him. Even even if that was the rule, I think that's sort of interesting. Mm-hmm. Just to add a little bit more speed, there would be a little bit more stock put into speedy guys. Um, so that's that's interesting. All right, let's uh, go ahead, Joel. No, I was just going to say too. Also, like in terms of roster construction as well, when you're when you're actually assembling a team, there would be much greater emphasis on getting the best, obviously possible depth players you can get. Some teams just kind of fill out a roster, you know, and they don't have the greatest depth. So I feel by having substitutions, there would be even a greater emphasis on getting like the best possible depth pieces that you can get, which is important. You know, if you want to win a game. Yeah, and, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but speed was uh, a very integral part of basketball, right? Because as you're talking, I cannot help, if you're with us on YouTube, uh, but watch uh, the basketball scene behind you. Notice all the little things in the movie set uh, behind mm-hmm. you uh, yeah. with the ramps. Uh, but nobody looks particularly fast, i got to be honest, actually. I take back my comment about <laughs> speed being integral. All right, let's move on to the next one. This next rule that 
MLB could implement from NBA. Players and managers are ejected after two technical fouls. So is this giving a little bit more of a leash to everyone, Joel? It's giving more of a leash to the players and the managers. And I think in recent years, there's been a greater imbalance of power in the relationship between players, managers, and and umpires. I feel umpires, you know, have a short leash with a lot of this. I know you're not supposed to argue strikes and balls and things like that. But, you know, Tess, you and I, we've seen, I feel like a lot of quick hooks, a lot of quick ejections for players and managers that didn't warn it, especially if they're getting calls wrong. And I think that by having this, you know, it's still, it's good for a couple reasons. One, it allows players and a manager to stay in the game. And yeah, it just gives, it just gives leeway. And also you want to see players in the game. What happens if a star player gets ejected? Like, let's say you go to watch Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper's got a bit of a temper. We all know that. Let's say he gets a bad call in the first inning, kind of slams his helmet down or has a bit of words. He's out of the game in the first inning. You as a fan, you paid good money to you know, see Bryce Harper. Maybe he's your favorite player. Your day's ruined. But with this rule, basically he would get teed up like in a basketball game and Bryce is like, okay, cool, I'll chill out. Or, you know, I've got a better feel of the situation. I'll try to control myself going forward. And he's still in the game. I think this would be a, a big win for players, managers, and fans. Umpires, not so much, but, you know, they just – they just have too much power. There, there, there needs to be more balance. What do you think? Well, with the automated strike zone coming in, this gives them something uh, additional to do. Uh, why the heck not? Now, uh, I, I find it interesting because you, you alluded to you know, the fact that it might reduce the number of ejections. But I think you can argue that umpires sort of give players and managers a warning as it is. Um you know, like when they're when when Boone is in an umpire's face, you know the number one ejector, the number one ejectee, I guess, of uh, managers. Umpire will say, "You cut that out, or else I'm tossing you." So I think there's like a warning built in. Um, but I, I understand what you're saying. I, I don't I don't see anything really wrong with this. I, I think you wanted to go even further, right, with uh, players amassing technical fouls and then potentially having to sit later on in the year if they've amassed too many. Yeah. So one, yeah. uh, One of the ideas too, is if a player, yeah, amasses 10 technical fouls, he needs to sit out a game where a pitcher will have to miss one start. And also if things get very heated, uh, if a team is assessed two technical fouls in an inning, the hitting team, they would lose an out. Or if the team pitching is assessed two technical fouls, they would lose an out in the following inning when they hit two. So, you know, t- just to make it fair. But I think there needs to be better protection for the players and managers. Tass, you're right. You make a good point. We, you say usually there's a warning. But, like, there's just been so many bad calls. And even with the warnings, I feel that there's been a lot of quick ejections. And I just, I hate seeing that. I don't like um shows. It's not good for the product. It's not good for the fans. That's not what fans want to see. And fans also like that kind of traditional, you know, like when you watch those arguments from the 70s, 80s, and 90s, and, you know, managers and players were given much more leeway. They would get right in the ump's face, scream, and the ump would give it right back. 
but not all those players always got ejected. There's no way anything like that would happen in today's day and age. So by having these two technical fouls, maybe that allows for something like this. I know the fans would love to see it. My only concern maybe is that players and managers take advantage of this and they get more aggressive with umpires. That's obviously an unintended consequence of this rule possibly, but I still think, you know, kind of from a net benefit perspective, I think it would be good for the players and good for the fans Mm. and managers as well. Yeah, you're walking a little bit of a fine line because managers or players might say, hey, if I've got a technical in my pocket, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm essentially going to use it. Uh, but I think you could also you know, play with that as well. If you're if you're the umpires or your MLB basically say, you know, if it's if it's an overt action, like what happens in basketball, if it's over the top, you're still ejected. You can still get two technical fouls. And mm-hmm. at, at, in one instance, so I like that. I I can't get on board with the in-game penalties that you're you're talking about, like losing an out if if one team has two technicals, because you're you're giving a, a team, both players and managers, more leash, but you're also penalizing them more. And then it just it, now we're getting too far into the nitty gritty, like you know this the automatic strike or automatic ball that we're seeing with the new rules uh, in today's MLB. I mean, it's. I I just don't like to see it. I, I just want to keep it as simple as possible. I don't mind. I don't mind the two technicals uh, because you don't like the ump show. I get it. Uh, so I think it could reduce the uh, the number of ejections if administered properly. That's the point, though, I mean, in basketball, you like if you're assessed a technical or double technical, doesn't the other team gets a free throw or two free throws? Correct. Correct. So. I mean, like, I get what you're saying, but I mean, I don't see why this couldn't translate into baseball where you you lose an out. Now, an out is much more valuable than a free throw or two free throws. I get with you there. Maybe there's a medium where it's not an out. There's some kind of other team penalty. I don't know exactly what that would look like off the top of my head. But yeah, maybe it's a bit too strict. Maybe it's a bit too cute. You're right. Okay. All right. Well, listen, I think we're we're, we're making some headway here. MLB is listening. Uh, a, a couple texts. <laughs> Just to give a little bit of leash, as as long as it, as long as an umpire can say that's worth two techs, you're gone because, yeah, we don't want an increase in yelling. Although I know you said, you know, back in the old days, uh, you could uh, yell a, an umpire's ear off and get get away with it. I understand, um, but nobody wants to see all that much yelling. Even though in baseball it feels like a little bit more of a part of the fabric of the game than it does in, sure. in like in the NBA. Uh, I'll move on to something I want to create in major league baseball. I'm creating a restricted area at home plate, much like they have in basketball where you have a semicircle under the hoop to determine if a defensive player has their position and can draw a charge or whether it's a blocking foul. If the offensive player dribbles into a player who is in the restricted area, I want to create a circle around home plate because we've had some controversial calls around catchers blocking the plate and the rule there. And the rule is just a little too ambiguous. Ambiguous. We've seen ridiculous calls overturned because it was determined that a catcher was blocking the path of a runner running in when he was just fielding the ball. The rule actually is you can't step on the plate. You can't be on the plate 
if uh, the, the ball is coming in, you can't be sort of on the third baseline if the ball is coming in. But I, I think this rule of having a circle just, you know, drawn around the plate can fix that. And you wouldn't see a, a, a crazy one like we had with uh, Jonah Heim uh, recently with the Rangers. A catcher must stay out of that circle until the ball enters it. And then you're all good. Like the circle is basically around the plate. He has to be outside that circle until the throw goes into it. And then and then he can enter it. Of course, there's a little bit of subjectivity there. But I think it's better than what we're seeing right now with that crazy Rangers one that was reversed. And we had Bruce Bocci going, uh, Bocci going a little crazy. Um they're just being overturned. We, I, it's just very difficult to understand for catchers. And I think even though this doesn't solve it, uh, a circle around home plate will prevent that. It's just a restricted area until the ball is thrown from the fielder and then you can go into it. What do you think about that, Joel? I think it's coming from a good place. Thank and you. I think the way – you're welcome. <laughs> and I think the way you lay it out, Tess – I, I get it. I think it sounds good in theory, but in practicality and in real time, I still think you're going to run in to similar issues to what you're having today. And like you said, the rule is very, very ambiguous. And I think this still, there's still a level of ambiguity in this. There's just maybe yeah. less of it. Yeah. So I, 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 I would be on board with this. I would need to see what it would look like, though, like in an actual game because they they need to do something because you can't – like games have ended on these rules tests. And like you said, no, yeah. like the fans don't like it, the managers, the players. I, and, you know, we were talking about the umps. Even the umps, I feel bad. Like they're doing their best. They have to interpret the rule the way they see it. So there needs to be something better. I absolutely agree. Is a circle around home plate the answer? I don't know. I kind of feel that similar, although it's not basketball, but kind of the crease rule in hockey in the late 90s where you couldn't even have your a, a tip of your skate in there. Mm-hmm. A goal was disallowed. That lasted for a year because I think the Stanley Cup ended on a very controversial goal, so that didn't last long. But yeah, I mean, I would be on board. I would like to see it. I wonder what the catchers specifically and the, and the players would think about it. And if it can reduce catcher injuries, I think it's a good thing. But how would it look in real time? Like at a, at a guy going full speed, a ball coming in? I, I don't know. I think it could go either way. Yeah, uh, I'm with you. Uh, the, the comparison to the can't put your skate in the crease rule, very good comparison. Uh, that's a good one because right now when they go to video review, when there's a play at the plate, like the Heim one that I just mentioned, they basically said you can't have your foot on the plate even though you're allowing a path for the runner to run in. You can't have your foot on the plate. So the the, the review is extremely technical. Uh, it, mm-hmm. it basically said, yeah, th- that's the rule. And so this is also very technical, but I think it's a little bit more – concrete uh i mean it it should be a little bit more subjective to be totally honest i'm just trying to remedy something that's um not going all that well right now through the first month you should have Mm -hmm. the ability to uh, go catch a ball if you're the catcher without the worry of being called uh for obstruction for for blocking the path of, of a guy running in um 
but really that's what it comes down to. It's, can you go catch the ball? Uh, and I think, I think just having that physical circle, uh, may help. Um, but it could be a one year experiment gone wrong too. Um, really, really it's coming down to the subjectivity of the umpires and also the umpires in the review center. I think it depends on them. Their subjectivity is also being factored into this as well. It's just really weird to see a path being given to the player running in and, uh, all this being done to preserve the catcher. Um, but I don't know. I think I think I'd give it a shot. Maybe it's even a semicircle. Um, maybe that's the idea. So you have to kind of stand behind the plate or outside the circle if it's in front of it. I know it's not. It's not. It's not perfect. None of this is perfect. We're working through it here, yeah. Joel. We're, we're riffing. We're, we're riffing. riffing. All right. Next one. You like the single elimination game idea for the six seed in each league? So. Basically, you're saying at the end of it all, you want six versus seven for the mm-hmm. six seed, a single elimination game, much like they have in the play-in tournament in the NBA. Yeah. I'll be honest, like as a casual NBA fan, I, I don't like the play-in thing. I don't like the idea of, I think it's the nine and the 10 seed playing to get in. I just personally, as a sports fan, as a casual basketball fan, I don't like that because I feel it's too many teams, mm-hmm. but I love the wild card games. I know it was a short lived experiment in MLB, but Tass, they were exciting games. If you go back and look, it's a small sample, but if you go look back at each individual game, all the games were fairly close. There were some really exciting finishes, and I know a lot of baseball peers will say, well, baseball's not, it's not a single elimination game. It's meant to be played in a series. And sure, there's, you know, there's a lot of evidence to support that. Again, it's an opinion. But, you know, when when you're adding the playoff game in, it, you're not diluting the playoffs because you're just basically adding one playoff team. It's still the same number of playoff teams. Well, I still well you're may- adding, you're still adding a, a playoff team. Because the those teams in the wild card, which moved to a three game series from a single game elimination, those were t- teams in the playoffs. I mean, they have a shot to win the whole thing, and, and I think that's what you're you're saying as far as the interest level goes. And and I think it's even more interesting than basketball because a nine or ten seed isn't going to win the championship, but uh, a seven seed in baseball could. Uh, they could go on a run. Yeah, absolutely. And if again, like it's only a one year sample size, but but look at last year. I mean, the the Phillies, I think, were were a six seed, if I'm not mistaken. You know, a couple hundred, a hundred win teams got knocked off. That's exciting. I, I just like the idea of a single elimination game. I think it works in MLB, I think it works in this format. And also, too, it kind of just adds the idea that more teams will go for it, which I think is good. More teams will go for it, but you're still only having six playoff teams. Even if a team's on the fringe, you know, let's say they're two or three games out at the all-star break. They're like, ah, you know, like we have an outside shot at the seventh seed. Like we only got to win one game. And once you get into the MLB playoffs, people say it time and time again, like it's an absolute crapshoot. You just kind of got to get into the dance. So I like the excitement of a single play-in game. I think it's good. I, I, I think there's really no drawbacks to this at all. I mean, maybe I'm being a homer because this is my own rule, but <laughs> I like this. I don't know, Tess. What do you think? I don't like it, Joel. 
I don't think you need. No? An, I don't think you need another team in the playoffs. I know you're saying that there's still six teams in the playoffs because those six teams. I guess you're going with the 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 new rule of a three game set uh, once you get into the the playoffs. But still, this is another team that can win the championship, so they're still in the playoffs mm-hmm. uh, if, if they do win, right? And I, I think I, I don't think you have the problem right now where teams aren't going for it. I think the addition to have six sure. teams in each league, like we look up and down the standings. We're recording this uh, in the middle of the season now. Hardly any teams are out of it right now. And so I don't think that's a, a problem. I think if you add another game, the one and two seeds have to wait even longer to start. And they already wait a day after the playoffs and then wait for a three-game set to happen between the three and six and four and five seeds. So they're waiting for like five, six days. I may be speaking as an Atlanta homer, which happened in 2022 where they waited. Uh, they waited for the Phillies, as you just mentioned, uh, to win their uh, series. And then they got hit uh, because it was taking too long. So I don't like that gap. Uh, also... Both teams in this instance, six versus seven, they got to use a top pitcher for this game, right? So that kind of hurts them when they go play the three seed in a in a three game mm-hmm. set as well. So I mean, you're 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 penalizing the six seed in in that way because if if they were able to go play their three game set without having to play the single game, they could throw their their ace. I mean that's that's also a factor when they get to the championship series and and all that sure. um, because they have to play that three game set so you could just say oh go go get the one and two seed and get a bye, uh, mm-hmm. but I don't know you want I I just think you're di- diluting it a little bit you're adding a single elimination game you're it's totally fun but what's I I, I kind of like the idea of baseball you know six is good six is a good number pass but it just set like. Put a bow on this. One, three, five, seven. Perfect. You got a single elimination game, a best of three, a yeah. best of five, and then a best of seven. That's just smooth. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I love the wild card game. I think that's you know why I'm so kind of passionate about yeah. this. Um, but I get what you're saying. What but, about the weight? You, you know, know, to that point. Yeah. What about the weight? What about the like the Braves? Just weight? an extra. It's just an extra day. I don't think. I think. I think your putting more stock into this than I am. It's just maybe one or two days. I don't think it's going to make a big difference one way or the other, but to your point about how you're penalizing the six and seven teams, it was the same thing when the, when the, uh, the, the wildcard elimination game, you know, teams had to adjust their rotation because they were going to use their ACE in that game as well. So, you know, you would just have to do it for one more game. I don't think that's really a big deal. That's not a deal breaker for me in this. Yeah, now you're you're veering into ba- a basketball, which I I know we're we're taking the rules from, but now seven of fifteen teams making the playoffs, even though you don't want to call it the playoffs. And that's a big number. It's a big number. Everybody can make the playoffs. Maybe at one point you'll have teams going the other way where they don't have to try as hard to to get into the playoffs because everybody's making the playoffs, Joel. Uh, I'm, okay, you're right. I'm stretching. I don't know about that. I'm stretching. I'm reaching. I'm reaching. I'm reaching. But uh, I don't know. We got enough. We got enough teams that can go win it all. We have the Phillies. Maybe I'm just bitter uh, about last year where the <laughs> Braves. I went and watched Game One. 
of that uh, first round series. It was a three game series. Uh, no, it wasn't a three game series. Uh, it was the uh, the NLDS five game set. Braves had to wait. They had to wait. They had to wait for the Phillies to finish theirs. And uh, yeah, it was like a week. It was like five days. I'm exaggerating, but still, uh, felt like a week. And then they came out extremely rusty. So I don't know. I mean, that's that's my. Yeah, that's my bitterness coming through, I guess. All right, moving on. Uh, another rule or, or process, I guess, as, as far as this last one goes, that the MLB that MLB can adopt from the NBA. Division winners don't automatically get top seeds. I'm digging this one, Joel. Explain. I think the NBA did a great job with this. I Now, Tess, you're going to have to help me out. When... Do you know when they got rid of this? Because this wasn't always the rule. This was something that changed, I feel, within the last five or ten years. Because before it was every divisional winner, it was like one, two, three. And there were some teams with an inferior record but had a higher seed. Am I correct in that? Yeah, well, it was about a decade ago now. Not not even – yeah, it's about, I think, about a decade ago where the rule changed. The NBA used to have a rule where the division winner could finish no lower than the four seed. First, it was the top three. Oh, okay. Then it moved down to the four seed. Uh, and now they've gotten rid of that. So they can just be seated anywhere. I, I love it. Um, I love it for a couple of reasons. One, it incentivizes winning. You know, I think that goes without saying. But take, you know, if you had that rule in place right now, the, the AL and the NL Central are just weak divisions. The New York Yankees, who are last place, would be first place in the American League Central. You're not – I want to see the best teams in the playoffs, as I'm sure all sports fans, baseball fans want to. So if you're just going straight seeding based on records, I think it's a great idea. And another benefit of this is that you're going to get – you're going to have a higher chance or higher probability of getting more divisional series in the playoffs, which I think is great. You know, I, I would love to see, you know, Jays, Yankees, Red Sox, Yankees. Maybe not everyone would like that, but I, I think divisional playoff series are are very exciting to watch. So there's a higher probability when you're just going based on seeding. But yeah, it, it incentivizes winning, which I think you need to do. Yeah, I, I totally am with you on this. It only makes sense with weak divisions like the AL and NL Central especially because of the weighted schedule when you play your weak division more and you're still a, a weak winner of that division uh it, it just you know it, it just proves that you're not one of the top 6 or 7 teams or 20 teams i don't know how many you want to expand it to uh, but uh <laughs> go ahead what were you going to say well i just i wanted to ask your opinion like have you has there been a noted change? Have you noticed a big change in terms of the quality of the playoffs, the excitement of the playoffs since they went away from this, you know, divisional where it's just basically straight seating? Do you feel it's a more exciting playoff product or is there not much of a change at all? I'm asking you. No, there's not much of a change at all. But the okay. the difference is um in in basketball what would happen would be like uh, a team that, you know, wins, let's say they win the Northwest division and they're, you know, only have the fifth best record in the conference. 
they're not going to win the championship anyway. It's very it's it's unlikely in, in basketball. Mm-hmm. The, the higher seeds tend to win. That's what happens. So in baseball, there's more likelihood of of a you know Cincinnati Reds or a Twins uh, running the table. Um, so I I think it would be smart to give them a bit of a disadvantage and, and seed them accordingly. Uh, and put them on the road, essentially. Uh, that That's what we're talking about here. A team would drop from the third seed to, you know, the fifth or sixth seed. Uh, and usually, even if you were a bad team, like that, sorry, a bad division winner, you would still mm-hmm. make the playoffs uh, in this scenario. Anyways, you would probably be the, the sixth best team. Um, but you're penalized, and your penalty is you got to go on the road and win. Okay, I mean, eh, I, I I could I could be down with that. I mean, me personally, yeah. like I guess I guess even- I, I say that I say that now. But the Twins, you know, currently as we look at the standings when we're recording this here uh, in July, would be out of it. They wouldn't make the playoffs. Um, yeah. In this in the AL, but the Brewers would. Uh, in the NL, would drop from uh, a division winning seed to the, from the third seed to the sixth seed. Yeah. I mean, that's fine. I mean, statistically speaking, I feel like you're still going to have every division probably represented. There might be some outliers like this year with weak central divisions. But yeah, the the best teams should be rewarded. Like good teams, I feel under the current format, good teams are still penalized and inferior teams benefit from this. Most notably, like you said, the Twins who, you know, like they're going to get home field advantage. Uh, the the NL cent- or sorry the central winners whether it's Minnesota or Cleveland or whoever and they're gonna have to play the six seed and all day I will take the six seed over whoever plays the AL central winner because they're just gonna get absolutely smoked I I feel so I don't I don't want to see that I would rather see a more even matchup between two better teams the the Twins just don't deserve it they just don't deserve it or the the central winner doesn't deserve it. You say that they get absolutely smoked, but as we just talked about with the Braves, the Dodgers, hundred win teams can uh, can go down pretty quickly. So you never know. So, uh, so I, I do think if you're not going to be a great team like in the AL, the Twins or or uh, the Brewers, let's say, and you have a weighted schedule that benefits you because you're playing you know weaker teams more, mm-hmm. I, I'm with you. Reseed it. Uh, I don't. I don't see the problem with that. Listen, baseball has been willing to make changes. We saw what happened with uh, the universal designated hitter rule. It took some time. They wanted to be traditional. Uh, the NL, you know, was uh, they, they, there's the traditionalists that wanted to keep the game pure and and have hitters hit. We saw what happened this year in 2023 with the rule changes to speed up the game. I think what's happening here in this instance and in this specific reseeding things is just it's taking a little bit longer than it should. But uh, I, I think mm-hmm. I think they'll catch up. Uh, all right. Uh, that was a blast. Uh, anything else on the rules or the, the processes you want to talk about or, or should we move on? Because we got some fun random questions to discuss. Joel. I'm good. Let's uh, let's move on to the next part here. Yeah, these are random basketball slash MLB questions that we want to discuss Let's uh let's do the classic. Can this guy play this sport? We'll start with NBA players who could play in MLB. What do you got, Joel? 
I went with Zach Levine. I feel he could make the transition from NBA to MLB. Couple reasons. I mean, he's a very just naturally athletic guy. He played in the uh, MLB softball uh, celebrity game. Uh, I think he had a home run too, if I'm not mistaken. Um, he looks like a baseball player, Tess. I saw him wearing <laughs> that Mariners jersey. Man, he's just got the look. He's not you, – you need to be – like basketball, obviously, height and size is critical to being successful, like in, in most positions, not all. Baseball, not so much. You need to be quicker, a bit smaller. You know, there's some bigger guys, sure, but you, obviously the body frame is a bit different if you want to, you know, be a good baseball player, I feel – Zach Levine kind of has that body to me as well. He's got a great sprint speed test. I looked it up. I saw a clip of him on Twitter. He's got a, he had a sprint speed of 17.9 miles per hour while dribbling. He could rob home runs with that great vertical. He could stick him in the outfield, which is where I would probably put him. He could be robbing home runs all day. Um, This is hard to pick because the skill sets needed to play each sport, I don't think there's a lot of crossover. I mean, obviously, other than just natural athleticism and good hand-eye coordination, I can't really think of anything else that translates. Could you? Well, as far as crossover, Zach Levine's got one. <laughs> uh, well, uh, I think uh, I mean you're you're already throwing a position, put him in a position in the outfield. I think I think this was great. Uh, uh, the yeah, the standard athlete stuff translates i think with zach levine because he he actually trained to be a baseball player when he was a kid you you just uh brought me back during the pandemic and when the broadcasters were looking for stuff to televise they had a, a horse competition um when they went <laughs> they went to athletes homes to film like everybody was filming separately so they went to zach levine's home in the Seattle area, I believe that's, that's where he's from, and I and I think this was his childhood home. There was batting cages uh, in his childhood home. That maybe it was his, maybe it's not his childhood. I mean, anyways, it was his house, and there were batting cages. He trained, uh, so that's that was his goal. So you're you're not wrong. That's a that's an absolute okay. great one. Uh, I've got a bunch of guys who could. Who could cross over? I think uh, Pat Connaughton. For those who don't know, maybe, maybe you don't. He was a a draft pick of the Baltimore Orioles. He plays for the Milwaukee Bucks now, but he was a fourth round pick of the Orioles, and he actually played in their minor league system. I read, I do believe this is correct. He took home a four hundred thousand dollar bonus, but did not return to the sport after being drafted by the Bucks the following year. So he could hurl, and um, yeah. Nice job. Double dip in there, uh, grabbing a 400K and then uh, moving on. Uh, I think uh, Donovan Mitchell, a superstar. He loves baseball. I think similar to Zach Levine, had dreams of being a, a big leaguer, uh, but he suffered a broken list in high school. A broken list? Did I say list? Um, it was definitely a wrist uh, that he suffered, uh, a fractured wrist in, in high school. And uh, his dad was a minor league player and works for the Mets. So there's a connection there. This one is hilarious. Uh, Anthony Edwards, star player for the Minnesota Timberwolves. He says he can play all sports. Now, this is this is just a, a little anecdotal, a little hearsay, but it's anecdotal from his mouth. So uh, he said he can throw 100 miles per hour. 
he had this exchange with Uproxx. I'm going to re- re- recite you the interview. Somebody asked him, you said you could play in the MLB right now. Do you still think that's true? Oh, for sure. Uh, what makes you say that with such confidence? You got to give me a month to get my arm back right. A month? I got to get my arm back right. I was a pitcher, but it be hurting my elbow. So once I get my arm back right, we good. Okay, so if, how fast are you throwing it? If I throw right now, if you throw right now, and I'll give you a month. If you give me a month, it might be 100. 100 miles per hour. 100! You're lying your ass off. No, no, no. I swear to God. I want to see a, a, a video of you in a month after you train. Nah, I'm not going to train for that. <laughs> what, what would you throw right now then? 92 or 93? 92 right now? Yep, for sure. So, I don't know. Anthony Edwards says he can throw. Um, I believe him. We got Kevin Love, uh, who's the king of the outlet pass, who does uh, knuckle push-ups, or he used to do it before he broke his, uh, I think he broke his knuckle. But, um, I mean, I think he can throw pretty hard. We have Tracy McGrady, retired NBA player. But if you remember, he worked with Roger Clemens because he's from Texas. Uh, back in the day, after his MLB career was done, he had MLB dreams, and he pitched for the Sugarland Skeeters of the Atlantic League. I did not know that. Yeah, of the Atlantic League uh, way back when. This was a while. He made their opening day roster. He didn't have a great Sugarland Skeeters career, but he made their roster in his debut. He pitched one and two-thirds innings. In July, he started the Atlantic League All-Star Game. Sounds a little gimmicky to me, uh, where he recorded his first strikeout, but after the game, he retired. So <laughs> there's, a, there's a little hope. And uh, Michael Jordan's career batting average of just over 200 in the minors should be respected more because it's hard to hit a baseball. So those are all my, my, uh, my NBA to MLB connections. But let's go the other way, Joel, unless you got another one uh, – because because that that one was great. Just just the one Tess. I, I had to I had to go through a lot of a lot of googling, a lot of reading through. I was like most most athletic NBA player, uh, NBA player most. I had to do like a bunch of Google searches, and then that's how I landed on Zach Levine. So I'm just gonna go with him. Hmm. See, it's interesting because like you can get by in MLB without being a ridiculous athlete. Uh, you can, you know, you can DH. Uh, so maybe we're missing some guys deeper on rosters that, uh, deeper on NBA rosters that can just bop. I just don't know enough about the current NBA product for me to comment <laughs> further on it. Yeah, you know better than me. <laughs> That's all I got. Uh, I like how you called it the current NBA product. Let's, uh, let's... Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant's a huge baseball fan too <laughs> yeah would he i've seen i've seen i've seen him playing catch in manhattan beach there in california i think he's a big baseball fan i don't know is he too big joel necessarily... is, is he too big at 611 to be to be pulling there's it some, off there's uh yeah well, he, well i don't know maybe that could be an advantage and maybe you could be a pitcher you know get yeah. that angle you know yeah. get that nasty slider going yeah, yeah. now we're talking Durant, maybe i don't know yeah we're talking pitchers for sure. Uh, too big a strike zone to be a hitter, but like uh, like jumping the other way, Randy Johnson, you know, he could yeah. uh, get him on the hill. Maybe he could ball. That brings us to our next question. Which MLB player could play in the National Basketball Association, Joel? Now, this is your expertise. 
you take it away because this is a flip. I'm, I'm sure you've got a few guys who could go to the NBA, and I, I'm the one who only has one that can jump over to the NBA. But what do you got? Okay, well, Tess sort of disappointed. I've just got one. I just got one <laughs> oh, player sorry. for this one as well. Damn it! Damn it. I well, misremembered our conversation mere hours ago okay. before recording this. It's okay. But to to answer this question, it starts and ends with my boy Trey Turner. Ooh. He's six two, and he. I want to put Trey Turner at point guard because the average height for a point guard in the current NBA is between six feet and six foot three. So in terms of height, he kind of fills that. Um, he's again, like he's a very athletic dude, very fast. He's got a very, he's got one of the best sprint speeds. I don't know if speed is necessarily a big advantage in basketball tasks. Is it? I honestly have no idea. Oh, absolutely. Oh, is it? Okay. Come on. You've seen a basketball game. I I have, but (laughs) I, I just never noticed like dudes who are like, Super fast. I guess it's an advantage. Yeah, but he's I mean, very you have to fast. Have a handle. Can Trey, Tan- Trey Turner handle the ball? You bet. I mean, you called yeah, him. He's got good hands. Good hands. And I feel he's got a he's got a very good baseball IQ. Now, like, well, why would that translate to basketball? I just think he's like that would translate to court vision. He's an excellent base runner. He's very cerebral. I feel like he looks at other player. Like he kind of looks at things and takes advantage of mistakes that the other team makes. I think Mm. that would be a great uh, quality for him to have as a point guard. So yeah, I'm going to pick Trey Turner as a point guard, put him in a, put him in a Sixer city connect test. He's looking good. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And he's, uh, he's slick with his jerseys. He's slick with his hands. uh, Every third show, I like calling back to uh, an earlier show we had this season where you said he is the slickest player in MLB. I also misremember I, I misquoted you. I thought you said he's the sickest player in MLB, but uh, that was an, just another instance of me saying something incorrectly. But uh, yeah, I think he's he is slick with it. He's slick with his hands. So you need speed, Joel, but you also, if you're a point guard, you need to be able to handle or shoot uh, a lot mm-hmm. uh, at, at the very least. Uh, so yeah think there's a possibility there uh you mentioned guys who take advantage of situations you made me think ronald acuna watching him when pitchers have their back turned takes an extra couple steps off second boom he's at third base so i I wonder if uh, ronald acuna could translate a ridiculous athlete as well uh you know sometimes watching him play right field for the braves likes to take his time uh, like when there it was Corbin Carroll's triple, you know, ball ricocheting in the corner. He just took his time chilling to get there. Basketball players like you know they they like to change their pace and 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 chill out at times. So I think Acuna, he he's definitely flashy like some NBA players could fit that bill. Uh, so you know mentally I think like you said taking advantage of of situations would be good. But my guy in a similar vein would be Ellie Dela Cruz. Because Ellie Dela Cruz got all the tools. Uh, he says he is the fastest man in the world. Sprint speed, as you were talking about, he's got that. Uh, he's he's got the height. Uh, he could, you know, be a, a guard slash wing. And um, I also read this from Joey Votto about his teammate Ellie De, Dela Cruz, and that you know linked the this quote linked Ellie to basketball, and I, I can't unlink him. Joey Votto said, Ellie De La Cruz is Vince Carter. And that really hit me hit me at home. Being from Toronto, 
growing up and, and fall, really, really, really falling in love with basketball when Vince Carter uh, came to the Raptors. Joey Votto's basically saying, like, Ellie De La Cruz is he's just another, he's just a phenomenon. He is a different type of baseball player. Like, Vince Carter was a different type of basketball player that is so ridiculously athletic, could play any sport. I think you could you know, flip Vince into a baseball player. Ellie could be flipped into a basketball player. So I'm buying that. Joel. I, I think he's got, all, he's got every tool. Um, he's, he's, I, I'm sure he can dunk. I'm like 99% sure he can dunk, uh, because he's, he, he can fly. Um, I don't know if he's ever picked up a basketball, but, uh, he's there. I, and just to continue on with Joey Votto and his basketball lingo, he said in basketball, they call it a make or miss league. It's like bat or bench here in baseball. Um, Joey Votto, a big basketball fan, it sure seems like. I like it. And he grew up in Toronto. Uh, you know, we're similar ages, so uh, he was uh, taken away by Vince Carter's athleticism, just like uh, he's taken away by Ellie Dela Cruz. And he's being a great teammate with Ellie Dela Cruz. Uh, he's he understands that the next generation is here and he's kind of moving out of the way for Ellie and the next generation of uh, all those young Reds coming up. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training just in time for those warm summer days. Pool season's coming soon, so I've been hitting the weights with Peloton and my guy Adrian Williams trying to get my muscle on in order to expand my cannonball splash radius. Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your training plan in mind. It's easy to personalize your workout. Whether you'd like to add a 10-minute core session at the end of your strength class or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance, Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals. There are a variety of classes like boot camps, boxing, full body strength, or marathon training, all created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you already excel in. And their expert coaches and nonstop vibes will push you to new levels of strength and endurance, keeping you on your toes while giving you the professional coaching you need. Shout out to Adriana Aditi, Andy and Emma. I love you all so much. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Get your head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Moving on to uh, this final question before we get to some trivia, Joel. What is something MLB can learn from the NBA? I think there's a couple things. One of the things that NBA has done for a long time, and I feel of all the four major sports leagues in North America, they've done this the best, is they were very good at getting out in front of utilizing and harnessing social media and the sports media just to, to market their product and to market their sport and to connect with fans, but specifically young fans. I remember when Vine, RIP Vine, miss <sighs> it, love it. But NBA utilized that extremely well, and I feel that was a big part of their success and, and connecting with younger fans. NBA, I feel, has always been the young, cool sport, even like as a baseball fan. I'm like, oh, man, NBA players are so cool. They're stylish. They showcase their personalities. They're very funny. They're outgoing. And I really, really like that. 
baseball it's getting much 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 better but they need to take more cues from the nba in terms of just how to you know showcase their game and and utilize social media for for the longest time task you know even really not that long ago like five six years ago you would go on social media you would go on youtube and you would type in baseball just some key search words and like nothing would come up or it would just be a bunch of like old talking heads about just generic talking points and i mean like okay that's that's all right once in a while there's still a bit of that but it's a like you didn't really see that in the NBA. You've got the NBA on TNT, I forget, but you've got Ernie and Shaq and Charles and Kenny. They've got a great chemistry. It just always feel like it's constantly being marketed towards younger people, but you build those grassroots fans. Those guys grow up. They're connected to the game. You've got lifelong fans. MLB clearly has an older fan base, although I saw an article recently, the average age has dropped by several years. I feel that's encouraging. So they've done a great job utilizing social media and media. And the other thing too, Tass, is they're able just to market their stars very well. Now, I want to ask you a question. I I don't know if this is an elephant in the room with baseball, but a lot of, even though both are very international leagues, the, the players who come over and play in the NBA, they're media savvy and their command of the English language is very good. Now, I say that because a lot of the stars, a lot of the exciting, amazing players in baseball just simply don't speak English well or they choose not to. And that's fine. I'm, I'm not being critical of that. But Taz, I'm talking about like I can connect with Michael Jordan. I can connect with LeBron. I can, I can even connect with some international players because I understand what they're saying. They're able to kind of convey their thoughts. Baseball is not like that. Do you think Tess, a language barrier is is part of this in terms of connectivity and marketing their stars? I'm curious to see what you think. I don't think so. I, I think okay. all the, 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 the your primary part of your argument there with social media, just highlighting stars, the personalities and all that can be done without even speaking the language uh, of for instance, Shohei Otani, a superstar, uh, doesn't doesn't have to say a thing. He says says it all with his body language. Uh, and and like let, let jump jump over to Nikola Jokic with the Denver Nuggets. He speaks English very well, but he doesn't doesn't like doing it. Doesn't do a lot of media going to Denver and and seeing him in the NBA Finals. You know, he he just wanted to get off the mic as soon as possible. But num- yeah, number one, winning solves everything. But also, I mean, he's he's just his style of play. Uh, I I think transcends any sort of language barrier. Uh, he's mm-hmm. he also you know he speaks sort of quietly, and sometimes it's a little difficult to to understand. But like guys, like we just mentioned, Ellie Dela Cruz is, is a damn superstar. I mean, he's he's taken over uh, the the no bunts part of the athletic baseball show YouTube channel uh, because uh, like everything he does is amplified and is, is fantastic. And he speaks through a translator. I don't really think that's a problem with social media. You, you can get these guys on camera. You can get Ellie on camera. He's smiling. Um, I mean, he, he does say a few, some things uh, in English. Like he said, I'm the fastest man in the world when he wants to say mm-hmm. things in English, he does. But with social media, you put the camera on them, producers, uh, the, the, the 
the people who control or who run the social media accounts with each team just just has to get them on camera. And I think that's what you said at the beginning. That is the issue. Although it's gotten mm-hmm. gotten way better, and it's gotten me back into the game. Frankly, part of, part of it, right. uh, you know, I loved baseball a long time ago, and and part of it, the attraction and why, as you said, the average age is getting younger is just because they're showcasing it better in terms of, in terms of production, in terms of the game, and and through social media. So, yeah, I don't think it's the language barrier. I don't think that's a problem. But when I like sports, professional sports is is driven by superstars, and I feel like I Tess, I agree with everything you said. But what I'm talking about, like beyond their respective sport, you know, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Steph Curry, these guys are huge stars, obviously on the court, but they're in commercials, they're in movies, they've got a lot of things that you know increases their. Uh, visibility outside of the sport, like their household names. You and I, like we like baseball. So we know who Ellie Dela Cruz is. We know who Otani is, but like outside of baseball, do you think, a, I mean, Otani maybe, but do you think a lot of people know who Mike Trout is? Do you think a lot of people know who Ellie Dela Cruz is, who Ronald Acuna Jr. is? Absolutely not. Like they're stars in their respective sports and like, okay, that's fine. But to me, like I'm talking beyond that endorsements, movies, more awareness. Baseball doesn't have that right now. They don't have the guy with the talent that matches the personality. Like Trout, they got the talent. They didn't have the personality. Otani, they've got the talent, his personality. You know, you decide Harper has the personality he's talented but he's not the best player like LeBron for the longest time had the talent and the personality and I think that was huge Jordan talent personality baseball just hasn't had that guy Griffey maybe that's the guy who I can think of off the top of my head can you think of anyone well I I think when you throw out the names like Acuna and Dela Cruz and Trout. Well, it's too early, I think, for Dela Cruz to be throwing that light. I, I'm with you on. Sure, I'm, sure, I'm with you on the yeah. Acuna because uh, he does. It's it's a an interesting case study because he's got the personality and he's got the game, yeah. um, and he's starting to do it more on a regular basis. I mean, the injuries uh, slowed him down, uh, so I think that's a fair one to question. Trout didn't have the personality and wasn't part of like his his great years. I didn't think coincide. They didn't coincide with MLB doing a better job of showcasing their their players. I I think yeah, he's a um, yeah, he's a victim of that. I think Shohei though, really when you're when you're going when you're talking about faces of the game, and we had this conversation uh, plenty when I was in Denver for the NBA Finals about Nikola Jokic and whether or not he could be the face of the NBA. Really, the difference between Jokic and Otani, even though Otani speaks through a translator and Jokic does not, it's just the willingness to do commercials and mm-hmm. and all that and be fed a few lines and be willing to also be on social media. Jokic was not. Otani, I think, has the ability to transcend and to get into homes of everybody around the world because 
I think he's willing to do it. You could tell me if I'm not if I'm wrong, but I think he's willing to be in commercials, and that that's really the 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 step. Uh, I, I think I mean he's got the talent, and he just has to be willing to put a McDonald's hamburger in his hand and then exactly. And then he's there and then he can be Jordan and then he can be Curry. Um, and, and so the, and LeBron, those are, yeah, those listen, it's, it's also just part of the NBA machine that, that does it. Oh, so well. And so Mm -hmm. I think MLB is, is learning from, from NBA. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Don't, uh, don't disagree with any of that. I just, I like I, I I'm a passionate baseball fan. I just want there to be that guy because baseball has lost so much ground in popularity over the last 20, 25 years. Baseball used to be used to see baseball highlights on ESPN all the time. It was it was covered. There was much more buzz about it. And it's just in the last, like I said, yeah, 20, 25 years, it's just lost so much ground. It's starting to get some of that back, but I feel it would come back with uh, a superstar, you know, who's playing in October, who's got the charisma, who's got the talent. Maybe language isn't necessarily a, a big issue. And like you said, you can stick them in a commercial. There's ways, you know, from creating a commercial to add elements of humor and just feed them a couple lines. I get it. So there's ways around that. But I hope Otani's that guy. I think he is, but it remains to be seen at this point. Yeah. And when you're comparing Jordan, LeBron and I throw Curry into that mix. Uh, the late Kobe Bryant w- was as well. I, I think those 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 were basically four guys when we're talking about basketball that were the faces of the league. But I mean that that that's a long period of time where there was only four faces. So that's a long long period of time. It, they don't come about frequently. Is, is what I'm getting at. And so, yeah, there's there's been a few faces of the league, but that's there's only one at a time. And so, yeah, the, LeBron and Curry have kind of shared it. Before that, there was probably, there was Kobe, and then it, it was a while before that that it was Jordan. And so all that to say is it, it can't be Acuna, Trout, and Dela Cruz, and Otani at the same time. It, only, it can only be one. And mm-hmm. I think we're we're veering into the Otani territory. He just really it just has to be him wanting to do commercials and wanting to do mm-hmm. some media. And he seems willing to do media, even though he speaks through a translator. It really, it's just it's visibility. It's he obviously has the talent. Uh, it's it's just willingness to sell some stuff and to be seen. Yeah, by different people who just don't watch baseball because they're seeing him in, in ads um, or whatever. But uh, yeah, I, I think I think he has the best shot of any, um, and I think he's different than a um, a Nikola Jokic that we just talked about in the NBA because he's not willing to sell anything. Well, yeah, Otani could, and and somebody like Trout, um, who didn't win or hasn't won. I mean, that's. That's that's. I mean, we haven't seen him make highlights in October, so that's also uh, another part of it. Which, yeah, you got to go out and win. So I guess uh, Griffey is yeah the latest one, but he also didn't win either. So there's yeah there there's a yeah. bunch of factors. I guess is what we're getting at. I've just got one more quick question for you, Tess. Just purely anecdotal. Do you think the average American sports fan can truly connect and say like? He's the guy, but it's not an American. 
Yeah, I, I don't think that's a problem. And I, I can only speak for the NBA. Um, you know, there hasn't been one quite yet, but Yanis Adetokounmpo could be that guy. And, you know, he does, he speaks English and does all his interviews in English, but he's a mm-hmm. non American. Uh, I don't think that's a problem. You, okay. I, I, th- I think it can trans. In today's global game, the, 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 the international game of baseball is, I don't think it's a problem. Um, okay. And I, and I think if there's something that the NBA can learn from MLB is the international game. We saw the World Baseball Classic, how great it was. I think if there's a way for NBA to somehow make uniform rules with international play and, and potentially with women's play to, to sort of just make it uniform across the board. That would really help because we go see world baseball classic. All the rules are the same, obviously um, mm-hmm. it, it, you know, you don't even have to think about it, but in international play, the size of the court's different. The three point line is different. There's rules okay. about, about playing above the rim that you can tap a ball off the rim uh, in international play. The game duration is different. It's shorter in international play. So I think that would be something that the NBA should somehow do. Now, they obviously get into a tournament and they figure it out. They, they you know, they, they mm-hmm. play by international rules. Uh, but I think it would help um, the international tournaments if everybody played by the same rules. That's one thing that, you know, watching the World Baseball Classic was, uh, was phenomenal. And so that's, I think that's a, a small part of it, but. Uh, do you do you do you have an answer for whether or not somebody a, a non-American can be the face of of baseball? Hard for me because I'm not an American. I'm not there. But it's just a hyperactive sports market there. There's just so many sports stars there. But at Tass, I don't know. I think it's. I don't think it's a question of like nationalism. I don't want it to be something negative it's i'm not saying that i just feel that like otani connects with japanese people because obviously he's japanese and he's a star people gravitate towards their own people i just think that's just a natural thing obviously america is where the best come to play so you know you're kind of spoiled in that way but just for the average American fan, I don't know, Tess. I, I'm not saying it's a deal breaker, but I think they're just going to naturally gravitate towards American players for better, for worse, and for whatever their own reasons are. I don't think it's they're like, oh, I don't, I don't like international players. I want to like, I don't think it's anything like that. I just think it's a natural thing. We're a melting pot, Joel. Everybody, That's true. everybody can be an American. They're allowed, and there's enough uh, fans. Absolutely, there's enough fans to be. Fans of everything. I'm sitting here with my man JD, who's a fan of pickleball. Uh, there can be a pickleball star. There's there are YouTube stars of of you know every stripe. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't think it's yeah I don't think I don't think the 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 non American part I don't think uh, is an issue. But anyway, uh, let's move on because I want to get quizzed. I want to get stumped. Joel, you've got All some. Right. NBA MLB trivia. I don't know what you're giving us, but let's get to it. Okay. Five questions, Tass. Who is the only player to win a World Series and NBA title? Oh, man. This one's supposed to be easy? Yeah, I don't I've never heard of this guy before, <laughs> and he did it a long time ago. But he won 
Okay, he won a World Series with the Milwaukee Braves and then three consecutive titles with the Boston Celtics from 1959 to 1961. Uh, Sam Jones. No. Gene Conley. Hmm. The Conley years. Ring a bell? Nope. Uh, okay. one, one with the Braves and then no. No. That's pretty impressive. He's the only guy to do that. Okay. I think you'll fare a bit better in the second one here, Tass. A little, little bit of a Canadian connection. Okay. Two players have played in the NBA and for the Toronto Blue Jays. Who are they? Danny Ainge, of course. That's one. That's one. Now, I know of somebody who played in the NBA, was drafted by the Blue Jays, but I don't know if he ever played. Scott Burrell? No. no. Okay. So, yeah, Scott Burrell was, uh, won a championship with Jordan, was drafted by the Blue Jays, but decided to play basketball. So this guy played in the NBA and played for the Jays. This one. Couple played for a couple teams in MLB, but he played for the Jays. What year are we talking? Ooh, uh, he came to the Jays system in the late '90s, and he pitched for a few years in the early 2000s. He was a pitcher. Man, not yeah. I, 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 I don't know. I should I know this, Mark? I, I don't know, Mark <laughs> Hendrickson. Whoa. I mean, I remember the name, but I don't remember his story. I I don't think, yeah, he's he was drafted. I don't know which NBA team he started out in the NBA, and yeah. he played a couple seasons, and then he was basically playing baseball in the off season, and then just ended up making the switch over to MLB. And he that's actually where he played most of his professional athletic career. Wow. Bounced around to a couple teams. Thank you. Yeah, six nine power forward in in basketball. Yeah, had a few years um, in the late nineties, but uh, yeah, not uh, not a ton of work in the NBA. Scored three hundred eighty one points. Mark Hendrickson. Yeah, I remember the name, but okay, all right. That was, yeah. great questions, Joel. These are great. I knew you were gonna get Danny Age. I'm like, I I have his card. It's a gimme. I have his yeah. I have his baseball card as a Blue Jay. Now Scott Burrell, I think uh, a lot of people don't know he was drafted by the Jays. As I hesitate when I say that, but yeah, I think uh, I think that's uh, I think that's true. But and then he got yelled at by Michael Jordan and won uh, won a championship. <laughs> okay, question number three: Tassies don't get any easier. Oh boy. On September 24th, 1972, the first outdoor NBA game was played. It was a preseason game between the Milwaukee Bucks and the Phoenix Suns, and it was played at a baseball stadium. Tass, name the city it was played in. We're playing outdoor base or outdoor basketball. Uh 1972 exhibition game between the Bucks and the Suns, and it was played at a question. baseball stadium. What a question. It's not in the United States, but it's not far from the United States. Bit of a hint. It's played in a it was played in a baseball stadium? That's correct. Not far from the United States. Um okay, so we're showcasing the game in a nearby country of Puerto Rico? 
You are so warm, Tass. Put on oven mitts. You're close. What's the city? <laughs> what do you mean, what? Oh, so you want the city in Puerto Rico? Yeah, the, uh, I said uh, the city, yeah. Oh, San Juan? That's right. All yeah. right. Oh, Nailed okay. it. Sorry, I, I thought yeah. you asked for a country. All right. Wow, that was wild. Why did I guess uh, I Puerto I Rico? City, I yeah. Hiram, I'm probably going to butcher this name. Hiram Bithorn, Bithorn Stadium. I'm totally butchering that name. But anyway, yeah. It was the first outdoor NBA game played, and several have been played outdoors since at Indian Wells. Uh, Indian, am I saying that right? Yeah. Okay, yeah, so several outdoor games have been played since then, but that was the first one. Wow. I don't know how I guess Puerto okay. Rico. I think I think I saw you. You were maybe tipping your hand and pursing your lips there so I could see a pop, 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 pop. Uh, but, <laughs> Good uh, eyes. San Good Juan. vision, Tess. San Juan, Good great court, court vision. vision. Call me. Okay. Call me Trey I think Turner. The last, last two, last two. I think you got a good shot. Tess, what was the name of the double A team Michael Jordan played for? Oh, it's uh, it's local. I'm here in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, I recently went to Birmingham, Alabama. The oh. Birmingham Barons. Nailed it. Yeah. Nailed it. Birmingham Barons. Okay. All right, Tess, and last one since we're talking about basketball in the movie what was the name of the championship trophy in <laughs> basketball jd feel free to join in i don't know if you watched it i've never seen it i've never seen it oh shocking okay, no, no. okay. yeah okay but it's a championship trophy let's let's uh let's workshop what was the name this of the championship trophy they were playing for um does it have a cup in it or is it is it it does have a cup okay it does have a cup is there an animal? Is an animal a part of this? No, it was named after, like in the movie, the Trey Stone and Matt Parker. Like the there's an older guy who takes a shining to them, and he's the one that funds the league. And they named the they name it after his surname. Mm. So the mm-mm cup, <laughs> the Snyder Cup. Mm, uh, nah, good guess. The Denslow Cup. <laughs> Never would have The old Denslow Cup. I don't know how I didn't get that. I'm just glad <laughs> I got it. That's a tough one. I <laughs> wanted to make him I wanted to make him uh a no, bit obscure. I don't remember. Challenging, not too challenging. I I no, that was a lot of fun. Um you we 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 gotta watch that. Maybe we'll do a uh an yeah. off season film, film session. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah, you got, down. got me wanting to watch that. All right, great stuff, Joel. You always kill it with the trivia. <laughs> uh, Mark Hendrickson, Gene Conley, those will be names. I'll Gene be, Conley, yeah, I'll be uh, <laughs> pretty cool claim to fame. Only do you like? Do you think in our lifetime we'll we'll ever see anything like that again? Do you think a guy win an NBA and an MLB title? Hmm, that's a good question. That's tough. the The crossover is it's so few and far between. Uh, <laughs> probably not. And now these days, when it's so specialized, you, you come out. Uh, nah, I mean, that's that's a tough one. That, that's a real tough one. Guess not. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe uh, Austin Ainge. I think Danny Ainge's son. I think he's a he's a he plays. Oh no, he's a basketball coach. He's old now. He's forty. <laughs> uh, forget it. Forget I said anything. All right, that was fun. Great stuff, Joel. Great stuff, JD. We'll be back next Wednesday. Make sure you subscribe wherever you get your pods. 
the Athletic Baseball Show feed is where you can find No Bunts every Wednesday, and you can find No Bunts streaming live every Wednesday on the Athletic Baseball Show YouTube channel. Check out some shorter vids there as well, and our Instagram page. A lot of great stuff there. No underscore bunts. For JD, for Joel, we'll see you next time.